Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland, brought to you locally by Smiley One, heating, cooling, and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Daryl, we're a couple days away from the Browns and Steelers on Thursday night, but it was a good win for the team that desperately needed it on a short week after a difficult loss to the Jets. And we saw what Cincinnati was able to do against the Jets uh, the following Sunday, which was the day we were recording this. So it's just like uh, kind of put the whole week in perspective here, Daryl, you know, leading up to the Brown Steelers win. Well, I mean, thankfully they uh, saved everyone 10 weeks or 10 days of depression by winning that game after what happened against the Jets. Let's be honest about it. Um, it would have been pretty ugly had they lost uh, to the Steelers. Overall, they you know they played really well, um, real tough on the injury front. But uh, to get that one in prime time, literally prime time, uh, and to put that Jets loss behind them, I, I thought was like really, really huge. Um, let's talk about Jacoby Brissett. I mean, he's got one interception, one turnover in three games so far, and he has been. I think better than than what most fans expected. If you go back to the Steelers game, 21 of 31, 220 yards, averaged 7.1 yards a, a throw, and had two touchdowns. You know, and he only got sacked twice. Uh, Brissett has been, I mean, I hate to say efficient because efficient's looked upon in a, in a negative way, but Jacoby Brissett is, I think, everything Kevin Stefanski wants. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. He takes care of the ball, does not make uh, critical uh, mistakes, doesn't turn it over. Um, you know, he, he's not a guy that's going to go out there and throw for 400 yards or put up MVP caliber numbers, but he's also not losing them games. So um, uh, I, I said this last week that I feel like Kevin Stefanski would much rather have Jacoby Brissett over Baker Mayfield for that very reason. Um, so... 
uh, you're, I, I think people are starting to see why organizationally during training camp, everybody was on the, uh, the Jacoby Brissett bandwagon and, and they got behind him uh, the way they did. Daryl, when, when we look at the Browns wide receivers, you know, through, through three games, but in particular going back to the Steelers game, interesting that Amari Cooper has uh, 21 targets in two games and that Cooper has just been outstanding with Brissett. I mean, these two have been in rhythm for the last two games, and I think people are a little questioning it after the Carolina game, but he comes up with 101 yards on seven receptions with a 32-yard gem and a touchdown to, to boot on the whole thing. Let's talk a little bit about that connection between Cooper and Brissett. Well, I mean, whatever was going on in week one, um, which I think most of it was on uh, Jacoby Brissett's end of things, um, they seem to have uh, worked it out. Uh, Amari with the back-to-back 100-yard receiving games, uh, he's the first Brown to do that since Josh Gordon in 2013. Uh, Back in 2013, uh, Gordon did it four straight games. Just kind of puts in perspective how great Josh Gordon was uh, for that one season, uh, you know, for the Browns. Um, So uh, whatever issues they had, I mean, they they seemed to work it out. And Kevin Stefanski had talked about after the game how those two put in have put in a lot of work uh, individually, or I should say collectively together. Uh, to get themselves on uh, the on track here, uh, and it, it's paid off uh, in these uh, explosive games from Amari. I mean, he could have easily had 150 plus receiving uh, in that game. He had that third down catch that he wasn't able to come up with. There was the deep throw up the far sideline in which he stepped out of bounds, which he acknowledged was obviously his fault and and a little bit out of character. He lost where he was uh, on the football field there. Um, but he, yeah, I mean, yeah, he could have easily had over 150 in that game. So uh, that that's a great sign uh, for this offense that he, uh, Brissett and, and Cooper really are on the same page and they're producing. So where are we with Donovan Peoples-Jones? Uh, one reception, last two games, he's had, what, four targets over the last two games. And I think people especially after Carolina thought that this guy was a clear cut number two. But I think also in this game against Pittsburgh, we learned that David Njoku has some power out there when they're able to find him, when they're able to get him the ball. I mean, the guy was averaging almost 10 yards a catch uh, on his nine catches that he had uh, against the Steelers ended up with 89 yards. And, you know, he was, he was nine of 10 when it comes to targets. And then Joku, I think on Thursday night against the Steelers was everything they pay for. Well, I mean, he caught his first seven passes. Um, and it was funny listening to Brissett talk after the game because he's like, yeah, well, every time David comes in the huddle, he talks about how he's open all the time. Um, he's always and, open. Yeah, right. He's your winner. <laughs> uh, the bank is always open. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, he looked like the, you know, the player that, as you said, they gave all that uh, money to uh, on the touchdown uh, drive for him. Uh, he had three catches for 26 yards uh, on that drive, um, you know, uh, really uh, showed his physicality. You saw him breaking tackles after the catch um, and that. So, look, I, I, the, the number two receiver thing is going to ebb and flow. Uh, you know, sometimes it's going to be Kareem Hunt. Sometimes it's going to be Nick Chubb. Sometimes it's going to be Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, 
Maybe it'll be someone other than those guys at some point. Um, you know, but uh, I, I really liked what I saw from uh, Nijoku, and you, you really got to see why they gave him the money they gave him because he does have that that type of talent. Um, it's just the other thing people have to understand, like they expect that out of him every single game. And they're, you know, uh, I thought Kevin Stefanski made a great point that like there are games where he's asked to do other stuff. And it's just as important as him catching passes and breaking tackles. And obviously I'm referring to the run game. Uh, he's a really, really good blocking tight end. And he's a big reason why. But that's had to emerge since he got here since Miami. I don't think when he was 19 and he first got here, he, he had it. I, now I, th- I think he does. I didn't. Well, of course not. It took he, a while. He learned that, uh, you know, playing for Kevin Stefanski. Um, and he obviously deserves credit for that, but he doesn't get credit for it. You know what I mean? Because all fans want to do is they just want to look at the box score and they want to see you number your number, your catches number. Where's our Travis Kelsey, right? Where's our Travis Kelsey. That's what they want on him. And, and I understand why fans think like that because, um, you know, Kevin Stefanski talked about how important the tight end is to his offense. And, you know, and it's something that I was really harping on is, you know, where is the Travis Kelsey on this team? Because you're looking for prolific playmaking from that position when you have um, that kind of money invested in a guy, right? right. Um, but I think you got that Thursday night and and you got exactly what you're looking for from him. So um, I, I see a bunch of positives on the offensive side of the ball right now. Uh, and, and Njoku's performance obviously is a, a big piece of that. Um, let's talk about the running attack and the emergence of a fullback, uh, with the last name of Froholt. I know I'm just kidding. I mean, I was going to talk thunder and lightning with, with Chubb and Hunt, but Froholt came in on that, uh, in that inside that deep red zone, uh, run for the touchdown and was able to play full. I knew there was just no way that Kevin Stefanski was not going to have a fullback at yeah. some point during the season. And, uh, you know, he was hiding for Holt uh, from all of us, and now he got to emerge. And then we'll, then we'll get to, to – Well, Chubb I mean, help Chubb get was, in the end zone yeah. uh, on that uh, twisting touchdown run near the goal. I might have been the happiest person in the stadium at that point. I was just oh, excited oh, to have really? a fullback. Yeah, I love well, fullback. I mean, your much. fullback's been Kareem Hunt, too. Like, Kareem sort Hunt's of. been – you know, uh, he's been lining up there um, as well. Yeah, I um, it, it you're seeing the creativity of Kevin Stefanski, and you're seeing when you look at some of the personnel groups he's used, when you look at some of the formations he's using, uh, the play calls. Uh, you're only as good as the execution of the guys on the field. And Thursday night, the guys on the field executed. So Stefanski looks really, really good. But I mean, he has had some drives. I go back to the opening drive against the Jets, which like I mean, that was like the Leonardo da Vinci of play calling right there and, and execution. It really was uh, a thing of beauty. Uh, we're seeing a lot more tackle eligible formations. Um, you know, uh, and they're ex like it, it comes down to execution. They're executing what he's calling. That like that to me is the difference. I I did not expect that the Browns offense would be averaging what they're averaging on the scoreboard. Um, It it is somewhat surprising to me, Um, but 
you know, when you look at where they are three weeks in, Andy, they have uh, 19 more first downs than their opponents have. Um, when you talk about third down conversions, the Browns are converting over 10% more on third down than their opponents are, right? I mean, we, we're going to talk about the defense later in the podcast, but, you know, that was something we'd always bellyache about was third down, both offense and defense. And, and right now those numbers uh, are, <clears throat> excuse me, they're, they're outstanding time of possession. They dominated that game. They really dictated the pace and flow of the game, had the ball for uh, 11 more minutes uh, than the Steelers had. And you look at net yardage too. I mean, they, they have uh, outgained their opponents 1136 to 971 uh, average per game. Is They're averaging 50 yards more per game than their opponent. Um, they're running 40, almost 40 more plays per game uh, than their opponents right now. Uh, the 572 rushing yards is the most since I think 1958, if I remember correctly. That was the note that uh, Dan Murphy, the outstanding uh, PR guy uh, for the Browns, um, put out there. So when you look at this offense right now, you know, for all intents and purposes, they're pretty much firing on all cylinders. The fact that 29, 30, and 26 points in each of the first three games. If I went back through the media guide, Andy, year after year after year, uh, we would be in double digits in the blink of an eye counting the years where the Browns struggled to score 20 points per game in a, in a single season. And they have this type of offensive output. So I think that's a credit not only to Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt, but obviously it's a credit to the players because they're going out there and they're executing what Stefanski's uh, you know, put in front of them. Daryl, we're, we're going to talk about Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt here in a second, but just to kind of pile on a little bit more with a second, the Browns are tied for second in, in rushing touchdowns in the NFL through Sunday night's game. So just going up to Sunday night's games, the Browns have five. They're tied with the Lions on that. The Eagles have six. In terms of 20 yards or more runs, um, the Browns lead the league in that. They have six. The Bears and Jags have five. Uh, rush yards, you touched on it because of how big they've been through the first three games of the season. 572 compared to 560 for the Bears. So they're not too far behind. But when it comes to attempts, man, the Browns are 10 ahead of the Bears on top of that. 114 uh, to 104. And then the Eagles come in third. And this is after three weeks, and they've consistently been in that spot. All right, let's talk about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And we'll do that when we come back. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach, you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Always a pleasure to have you on board. And it's also brought to you locally by Smiley One, heating, cooling, and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. Let's talk about Nick Chubb. Let's talk about Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb's ability to, and I, I don't know if there's a stat that exists, and if there is, I'll probably have to ask mine again about it. But, you know, we talk about the yak whenever it comes to a wide receiver who catches a pass and it's yards after contact or yards, you know, um, yeah, yards after contact. So, but when it comes to running, I wish we had a stat, and maybe they do, and I just need to look they it up do. a little bit. Oh, they do yards after line of scrimmage or yards after oh. or yards after contact. It's yards after contact, and which was, I believe, he's, that I had heard that he's had the leaders there. Yeah, he had 102 of his 113 against the Steelers in yards after contact. I, to me, that is just absolutely 100% mind-blowing what he is able to do, that it seems like when most running backs go down, Nick Chubb gives you another five or six yards. Well, he had 112 um, yep. against the New York uh, – or I'm sorry, against the Carolina Panthers in week one after mm. contact. So, yeah, wow. it, it's a thing. He's one of the best in the league uh, after contact. He runs through tackles like you can't believe. Kareem Hunt is is pretty much the the same way maybe not up there statistically like nick chubb is but um you have two very physical backs that run through contact um i don't want to say that nick chubb li- uh looks for contact or he you know whatever but it's i've not seen anything like it in my life i you know when i see running backs that are uh, dominating other teams usually because they're just you know breaking uh, they're they're breaking through and into the secondary in that where you know Nick Chubb is still running guys over in the secondary. Um, it, it really is impressive. But yeah, he uh, both of his hundred plus yard games uh, this season. Um, he has uh, over one hundred yards of that coming after contact. I, that's just mind boggling to me. The other part of the rushing game, which I thought was interesting going into this thing, Daryl, was the fact that Dernis Johnson was finally uh, active for a game, and yet they didn't use him. So, I mean, I, I don't. What's going to happen? To him? I mean, they're, they're going to have to trade him eventually, right? Probably. Uh, he's, you know, what he is. He's an insurance policy right now. Um, if something happens, uh, because we saw last year their depth at running back got decimated by injury and by COVID. So, um. He that's what he is. He's an insurance policy right now. Uh, if you, I, I don't know what his trade value would be. I don't know if you could get much of anything for him at this point, Andy. But that's just kind of how I feel like uh, where De Ernest is. That he's basically the insurance policy. The fact though that <clears throat> the Demetric Felton pump return experiment lasted a grand total of two weeks is somewhat telling. And look, it's it is what it is. Um, they lost their returner. Uh, the Browns have not had quality return game play since Josh Cribbs was was uh, doing it for them. Uh, you know what? I'll take that back. I thought Travis Benjamin, let's give Travis Benjamin um, some love. Um, he did a nice job in the return game for them years ago. But honestly, since then, it, it's been an adventure there. So they're, you know, going through that cycle. But yeah, they're earnest right now. I think is is insurance policy for Chubb for Hunt. Should something happen to one of them, he's ready to step in and uh, you know carry that load. 
and you know we'll see if we get closer to the uh, the trade deadline here toward the end of October um if you know there's any interest or any need and maybe the browns can flip him uh for a future asset but um his value right now to them is just basically to be standing by and ready to go when called upon all right, let's flip over to the defense here for a second. As much as people wanted to complain about the way the defense looked, didn't look very good in the first half, and and even I mean, I mean, the, I mean they gave up almost 200 yards in the first half, 190. Yeah. That's that's not optimal. But, <laughs> but they only gave up they half. only gave up three points in the second half, and I I think at the end of the day you have to, as much as people want to jump on Joe Woods, I mean you got to look back and go, okay, they only gave up three points in the second half. Um, they gave up one play late in the game that you're like, okay, I understand it was kind of a prevent defense situation, but in the second half, they did what they needed to do to seal the win. Although special teams is another story. Cause I think, I think half of the city was on its, you know, on its head and not outside kick at the end of the game. Uh, as well as Kevin Stefanski. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Stefanski, I mean, Stefanski was asked what was going through his head during the onside kick. And there was like, we got to 10 Mississippi before he finally said a lot. <laughs> and right. That, and, and, that, and that's all he said. Um, but, uh, you know, bottom line is that ball got knocked out of bounds, uh, which is what probably should happen against the jets. And uh, they were able to ultimately hold on and um, win the game. But the defense deserves credit. They gave up, uh, around 108 yards in the second half after almost giving up two bills in the first, as you mentioned, just three points in the second half. Um, you know, they, they, they really, uh, uh, really, really stepped it up. But when you look at this, um, defense, they're at their worst in the second and the fourth quarters, the first and the third quarter, they, they've pitched shutouts this year, believe it or not. They've not allowed a single point in the first or um, the third quarter this year. But in the second quarter, uh, they've given up 35 points and been outscored by five points. And in the fourth quarter, they have also been outscored by five points and allowed 37 total points. So of their 72 points, they all come in the second and fourth quarter. It is bizarre. Uh, to think about that, but I mean, they, they deserve credit for how they played Thursday night in that second half, because, um, you know, getting off the field quickly with those three and outs, the way they did in that third quarter and getting the ball back into the, uh, the, the hands of Jacoby Brissett and the offense really allowed the Browns to just chew time off the clock. I mean, you look at the scoring drives, Andy, you, you couldn't draw it up any better. You know, seven plays, 60 yards. They did it in three minutes. Um, 12 plays, 79 yards, did it in six minutes. Um, they got a field goal off a 14-play, 70-yard drive that took over seven minutes off the clock. Um, they had an 11-play, 80-yard drive that chewed six and a half off the clock. Like, you, you, you can't draw that up any better. It, when you're talking about that complimentary football. And I also think th that the offense, you know, helped the defense stay fresh. You know, I, I honestly believe in that Jets game toward the end of the game, they were gassed a little bit and understandably so. Um, but they, they were not gassed in that, 
game Thursday night. And when you look at how it ended, like they learned their lesson, they 30 yards down the field, they lined up five guys in a straight line across the 35 yard, 30, 35 yard line. I forget which one it was, but they just lined five guys up there. And the Steelers did that hot potato play that Denzel Ward ruined a lot of nights for uh, those that may have had a financial interest in the final score of the game. Yes. Yes. Very much yes. <laughs> We're allowed to say that we can, yeah, say, you can that. say that. Um, and by him falling on that fumble in the end zone, it'll look great in, in his, on his stat line uh, at the end of the season. The fact that he scored a touchdown, the fact that he recovered a fumble and whatnot. But um, yeah, I, I think that the defense deserves and Joe Woods deserve a lot of credit for that second half and what they were able to do in limiting Mitch Trubisky and really making life difficult on him in the final 30 minutes. All right, Daryl, I want to kind of go through the injury list, uh, which, and I'm going to go through it and where we started on September 20th. So I'm going to go back to September 20th on this chase. Winovich was placed on the injured reserve with a hamstring injury. Jesse James, the tight end uh, wouldn't have the opportunity to play against Pittsburgh, the former Steeler uh, bicep injury. Then you get into uh, the 22nd and Ronnie Harrison jr. Is that does not look good. Uh, Demetri hamstring and warm up hamstring yeah. injuries and warm ups never a good thing. No, uh, Michael, I'm just looking at some of the guys that were out for the game the other day, but injury and then uh, Jadavian Clowney was out for the game. Chris Hubbard was out for the game. I, I mean, you're just looking they lose at Anthony Walker for the season. That is a major, major loss for them. Um, Taven Bryant, Jed Wills, Jeremiah Wusu Kormo, all these guys either lost or banged up from the game or right around the game. So, uh, the injury bug, I, 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 this 10 day layoff has been kind of a blessing, especially for these guys that might be able to fix what's going on. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see who's on the practice field Monday morning, uh, as we record this on a Sunday night. Um, I don't anticipate a lot of those guys that you named actually being on the practice field Monday. I can see them g- getting them as much as, uh, as much rest as humanly possible. Um, but the injuries are kind of starting to pile up a little bit here. Uh, the J- Jadavian Clowney ankle injuries concerning, especially if it's the high ankle variety, those things can take weeks uh, to heal. Um, I was told JOK, it's not too serious with the groin injury, but those are always problematic. So it wouldn't shock me if he was unable to play uh, in Atlanta next Sunday. So, and again, you lose Anthony Walker. The good news is you basically had co-starters at that position with both Anthony Walker and Jacob Phillips. And how about Jacob Phillips, the job? He yeah, did. unbelievable. Holy smokes. Coming in off the bench, had a, had a sack couple of big tackles uh you know i i mean you want to talk about announcing your presence with authority my goodness gracious so uh let's get let's show him uh, a little love here too but um yeah the the injury thing is going to be something we'll be watching all week heading into this falcons game all right daryl let's take one more time out we're going to give some more big picture stuff on the browns as we uh start getting ready and turn the page as we start to warm up as uh, atlanta is the next stop for the Browns, and they'll be on the road Sunday. So we're going to talk a little bit about what needs to happen this week and other storylines that are concerning your Cleveland Browns. It's always game day in Cleveland, and he's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you're listening to, well, subscribe to the podcast. And you can always, always, always get a hold of us. In fact, Daryl, I think we should probably do a mailbag by the end of this week. How do you feel about that? 
I think we can do that. At Game Day CLE, at Game Day CLE, um, on either Twitter or Instagram. He's Daryl. I'm Andy. Back after this. It's always Game Day in Cleveland. He is Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Unfortunately, like last week, when the Browns did lose to the Jets, um, the rest of the AFC North lost. In this scenario, for week three, the only team that lost in the AFC North was the Steelers. The Bengals finally getting their first win, and the Ravens also getting a win on Sunday. So uh, we've got the bottleneck uh, atop first place in the AFC North. And unfortunately, that Jets game just really haunts even more now when you think about they could be undefeated this week. And uh, the way the Bengals took care of the Jets, it was kind of, it just kind of sucks. I'll be honest. I mean, as I was looking at that game, I'm like, oh, this is what the Browns should have done against these guys. Yeah, well, um, Mac Jones suffered an ankle injury uh, in that loss to the Ravens. So, uh, remember, the Browns will be playing the Patriots in three weeks. They go to Atlanta this week, come home for the Chargers, and then the Patriots come in to visit uh, the week after that. So, that'll be something to to keep our eye on. But also, at the same time, look, I mean, the Patriots are not invincible. I, I realize it's Bill Belichick, and he commands all the respect that uh, he receives and uh, he deserves, but uh, you know, the Patriots aren't necessarily invincible and that Mac Jones injury is something uh, that we're going to have to, you know, keep an eye on the health of Justin Herbert. He'd be you know, playing, you know, he's playing a little banged up for the chargers right now. Uh, that too is something to, to watch all, but you're right. I mean, we're going to keep looking back, Andy, I'm telling you, and it's hard. Like the Browns aren't clearly they're not, but we will we're going to keep looking back at that Jets game and we're going to be saying woulda, coulda, shoulda uh, about it. And it's really going to stink if we get to early January and the Browns are right there in the thick of everything. And if they finish one game out, right, they needed one more win. And we're just going to be like, we're going to be saying a lot of four letter words (laughs) if that Jets game ultimately ends up costing them uh, a playoff spot but right now they're tied atop the division with the Ravens uh, at two and one. Uh, they should be three and zero, oh, but the fact of the matter is they're two and one and they've got to go to Atlanta where the Falcons are coming off uh, a win. Um, uh, Atlanta uh, turn around and they, uh, they were a winner. They beat Seattle 27 to 23. So they're going to be feeling good about themselves as they wait for the Browns to come to town. Uh, Daryl, I, you know, Miami is three and zero right now. And I thought the Buffalo bills were invincible. I did yeah. not. Th- I did not think that the Philadelphia Eagles would be three and zero. no, I didn't. I wasn't sure the Eagles were going to win three games the whole season and they are three and zero as well. And um, the other big shocker on Sunday was obviously the chiefs losing to the Colts 20 yeah. to 17. But the, you got to admit, the Bills and Dolphins provided us with the highlight for centuries to come. The butt punt. Yes. <laughs> and the best- My son was showing, wait, so I wasn't watching football time, and he walked up and he goes, Dad, what's a butt punt? And I go, I don't know what happened. He goes, he's trying to explain. And then he's like, just look at the video. I was like, oh, the butt punt. I get it now. It's I get protector it. right in the can. And the still, uh, God bless the photographer that captured it. <laughs> But there was a photographer, Andy, that caught the football on the protector's backside. Like photo, like photo of the year nominee. But um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, 
this is why you play the games, you know. And, it is why you play. Like you can't you know, assume you're going to beat the Sunday Jets, thing, right? Yeah, I mean, the any given Sunday thing is is really really true. It really is. The the unfortunately, like where the Browns are concerned, it never really applied to them for like 20 years. But now that we're in the Kevin's defeat, by the way, this is the third straight year they're two and one. Uh, if they win Sunday, that'll be the third straight year that they start three and one under Kevin Stefanski, um, which that has like not happened since like the 1950s. <laughs> I got to go back and double check that, but I'm pretty sure like you got to go back to like the 1950s for like three straight years of uh, three wins in the first four games. Um, so uh, it, it's, it is a positive uh, that they, they, let's put this way. They're where I thought that they would be. All right, Daryl, let me ask you this. What's the most shocking? Let's go through the the ones with zeros. The fact that the Raiders are winless, that's a little shocking to me. Yeah, I I think that's a big one. Them being 0-3, that's a pretty big surprise because even though I know the AFC West is just such a meat grinder, uh, of a division with all those offseason moves. I thought like the Raiders were going to challenge uh, the the Broncos and Chiefs. Like I honestly thought there was a chance that all three wild cards could come from the AFC West. Just with the way that division is, you know, set up. I don't think that's going to happen now, especially with the Raiders off to the 0-3 start. Usually when you're Owen you start 0-3, your season's pretty much over at that point. I don't know what the numbers are off the top of my head, but um, you start 0-3 to a season, your your chances of making the playoffs are basically slim to none. Um, but yeah, that's that's a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, you know, the the Rams have kind of bounced back a little bit from that week one shellacking courtesy of the Bills. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned the Bills losing <clears throat> to Miami. I, I just I still can't believe the Bills lost. I mean, I know Miami's yeah, I mean, you know, and they and look, Miami's playing good football right now. And you know, we were talking about just combinations and what two was, was able to do in the first two weeks. And I'm trying to remember, um, you know, what's we funny. The New York jets starts of the season. Their their starts of the seasons, the entire AFC North, their first four games are the AFC North. Hmm. Can you believe that? Cause yeah, uh, that is kind of weird how that happened. Yeah. Started with the Ravens, then the Browns, they had the Bengals today. Next week they have the Steelers. How about that for some bizarre scheduling? Well, you know, again, the Browns hit this big, heavy part of the schedule after this Atlanta game, and so yeah, they do. That's why they got. You know, I mean, they, that's why they got to kind of. This is their get fat time, right? Um, right. You, you, I thought we, we, you know, going into the season, we had talked about it. I thought three and one was realistic. Four and zero was possible, but three and zero was or three and one was more realistic. And look, if they win Sunday, yeah, I mean, this is where I thought they would be, three and one. So. Um, you're talking about a team, uh, an offense, in my view, that is a little bit above my expectations. I didn't expect that they were going to be averaging 25 plus points per game. No, um, I I knew the running game was good. I didn't realize I didn't ex- I never expect the Browns to be dominant in anything because, quite frankly, the Browns haven't been dominant in anything for generations. Amen. So, like, I just I don't have an expectation that they're going to be dominant. I see the potential there for them to be dominant, but. Um, once they get done with Atlanta, man, you got the Chargers, the Patriots at home. Then you got to go to Baltimore. You come back home for the Bengals. You have your bye week and then trips to Miami and Buffalo uh, and home for Tampa Bay. And then guess what happens then? Deshaun Watson hopefully will be allowed to play. 
starting December 4 when they go to Houston to take on the Texans. But I want to talk about that later in the week too because I I just I hope that fans don't have great expectations of him that first week of the season. I know people are like, "Oh, Michael Vick and You know what? You're going to keep you know what you're going to talk about? What? If Jacoby Brissett keeps playing the way he's playing, it's going to you know, this is to make a change. I I'll be honest with you, this is what I wanted though. I wanted him to make it hard on the team. I mm -hmm. wanted him to do it and he's doing it right now. You so. really want to disrupt the flow of everything by making a change in I if he keeps playing at the level that he's playing at Andy, um he's completing over 67% of his passes for the Browns right now. 4 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. I know it's just, you know, we're talking small sample size here, but um yeah he's he is uh he's a big reason why this team should be three and oh but they're two and one and uh they uh hopefully have been able to rest over the weekend here in this mini buy uh we went through the list of injuries that i mean that's going to be the story from my standpoint going into this falcons game is just where they are health-wise coming out of this mini buy because they are uh they are banged up and they've they've you know losing Anthony Walker is a big loss, but they got uh, Jacob Phillips stepping in there. Need to get Ronnie Harrison healthy. Need to get Jadavian Clowney healthy because one thing we did see without Jadavian Clowney, Pittsburgh was able to really neutralize Miles Garrett. It's a good point. It absolutely was. We'll see what happens with Clowney down the road here, too. It's always game day in Cleveland. is produced by Meredith Kane. Thank you, Meredith. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. We are back. Uh, let's see. Monday. When are we back? Tuesday? Wednesday. We'll, Our next we'll, we'll, we'll have podcasts dropping um, Tuesday morning and Thursday morning. Tuesday and Thursday. That's when we're back. He's Daryl. I'm Andy. Thanks for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. We love having you on board and give us feedback. Plus, we want to do a mailbag this week. So if you have questions, send them to us at, 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 send them to us at Game Day C L E. That's on Instagram and Twitter. Everybody, we'll look forward to talking to you about the Falcons as the Browns try to run their schedule or run their record. To three and one. Let's see if they can do it. And we'll be talking about it all week. Thanks for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland.